Welcome to the Gospel for Life. We have four Treasure Valley pastors committed to showing that the gospel is not just for that religious part of your life, but rather it's for all of life. You never graduate from the gospel. I'm Josh Bales, pastor of the Well Church, here with Russell Herman, pastor at Cloverdale United Reformed Church, Phil Moran, pastor at Christ Presbyterian Church, and Jonathan Van Hoogen, pastor at Spring United Reformed Church. Now, if you'd like to find out more about us or catch past broadcasts or get information about our annual conference, you can find us at ReformationVoice.com. All right, so this week on the program, we have a special guest pastor with us, Pastor Alan Burrow from King's Congregation. Uh, thanks for coming in with us today, Alan. You bet. Happy to be here. Alan is actually not really a guest. He's part of our Reformation Alliance uh, that we have for the uh, our annual conference, we meet monthly here. It's, it's a really great time um, together as pastors. Uh, Pastor Russ Herman is uh, on vacation for the next two weeks, so we get the privilege of having Alan here. And then we have our other two regular pastors with us, Jonathan Van Hoogen and Phil Moran. How are you guys doing? We're doing great. Doing, yeah. I'll answer mm-hmm. for Phil. <laughs> thank, thank, thank you, Jonathan. I, there, there's nobody I'd rather have speak edit, for me. The editorial <laughs> we right there. That's right. As your attorney, you should stay quiet. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so um, this week and next week, they're – we're kind of tackling two two different subjects, but we wanted to put them together so that we could see kind of both sides. And so this week we're dealing with the sovereignty of God, and uh, next week we are going to deal with the love of God. And we, what we really want to show is that these are not two diametrically opposed doctrines or two diametrically opposed attributes of God, but rather they go together, they complement one another, and that's what we're aiming at. So first of all, let's just start this week with the sovereignty of God. What does it mean for God to be sovereign. I think that we as evangelicals can often underdefine what God's sovereignty is. We can reduce it to mere authority or to mere omniscience or to mere strength, or that to be sovereign simply means that God is the supreme king. Is that what the scripture means when it claims that God is sovereign? Well, I think all those things are true. Um, the sovereignty of God uh, suggests that God has the right and authority to do whatever he wants, and he's not limited in exercising his dominion in any way. His sovereignty is one of absolute authority, uh, the right to impose. When it comes with absolute power, the ability to enforce everything over his creation. Yeah, and the the biblical doc- doctrine of the, of the sovereignty of God uh, is um, – so much in need of, of teaching today and, and bringing into the awareness uh, of believers because uh, I, I think, uh, I, I don't think I'm being unfair in saying a whole lot of uh, people today who will claim to believe in God are really functional deists. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the listeners may know that a, that a deist is someone, uh, it uh, comes out of the uh, you know 16th and 17th century, um, that some of uh, the 18th century, uh, and it's the idea that, yes, there is a God, but he's really not involved in the daily affairs of this world. He created the world and then sort of retired into a distant heaven someplace and has no active role in the, in the daily affairs of people and in, in what's going on in this world. Uh, that is a view of God that the Bible completely rejects. Uh, the Bible teaches from cover to cover that, that God 
both rules and overrules mm-hmm. in all of the events and affairs of this world and all of the events and affairs of human beings, uh, that God reigns with sovereign uh, power and authority mm-hmm. over all things. You know, and I, I think this is one of those areas um, where we have kind of a love-hate relationship with this particular doctrine, and I think it's one of those that Christians tend to get right instinctively, but then when we start trying to explain it in a formal way, that's when we really get wobbly. And if I think about it, in the practical Christianity of, of God's promises and our prayers, every Christian I've ever met implicitly and firmly believes in the sovereignty of God. Every Christian prayer I've ever heard has been to the God who can soften the hardest heart, Mm -hmm. who can reverse the bleakest situation, and who can change the mind of the most godless ruler while having it be their idea. Mm -hmm. That's the God all Christians pray to, and that's the God of the promises that have Mm -hmm. been made to us. And I think when Christians think about it instinctively, that's very consistent with the actual biblical teaching on mm-hmm. the sovereignty of God. Yeah, right. amen. The whole goal and meaning and life of the universe is found in God. That's you know that's a basic belief in in a, a tenet of theism. You know, if if something can take place apart from God's action or permission, then God is not in utter control. And if God is not in utterly sovereign, then he's not God. Mm-hmm. So to reject sovereignty is to embrace atheism. Yeah, or, or at, at best, a, a form of dualism, because mm-hmm. the, if God is not firmly in control of the universe, then there's some equal opposition that's co-ruling with God, whether that be Satan or the will of man or some other force. Okay, so... Um, I guess maybe the second question then is, is how far does God's sovereignty extend? Like, what is he sovereign over? And then maybe as a follow-up question, how is that view of sovereignty different from our non-reformed brothers? Well, I think Alan actually started covering that when he was uh, talking about the sovereignty of God. I think that we Maybe some of us have heard Dr. R.C. Sproul say there's not a maverick molecule in all the universe. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, and that goes to the fact that you know, he's, he's the authority over heaven and earth. He's created the universe. He owns the universe. He governs the universe. There's nothing that takes place in this world that he doesn't, doesn't ordain to come to pass. There's mm-hmm. no one that can frustrate his will or no one that can change it or limit it or defeat any of the purposes of God. So... When we're saying he's sovereign, it, it covers everything. Um, you know, he works all things after the counsel of his own will, it mm-hmm. says in Ephesians 1.11. Mm-hmm. Um, you, know, you know, there's no, uh, Romans 13.1, there's no authority except from God, and the authorities that exist are appointed from God. So he rules in the civil affairs of men. Mm-hmm. Um, even accidental things. You know, I, you know, I, I think about that, that place in uh, First Kings where Ahab 
uh, goes out into battle, and he's, it's already been prophesied that he's going to die. And in fact, the, the, we have a, a little view of the uh, council in heaven almost there that he, uh, God has appointed him to die in that battle. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but he thinks that if he just changes his costume, he's going to get away with something. Right. And uh, so he goes into battle, you know, as someone else, and, and, a, and a random archer, you know, I shot an arrow in the air. And where it lands, I know not where. Well, God knew where it was going <laughs> to land. It went right between the chinks of his armor. That's the sovereignty of God. He, he rules all things. Yep. Yep. So I, I guess the contrast that – so I, I, uh, I in no way want – I desire to, to pick on our, our non-reformed brothers in any way. I think there's a real unity of, of brotherhood that we need to have amongst Christians. But I do want to kind of make the contrast sharp, you know. I think many of them would say that, well, God is sovereign uh, over all the affairs of the future because he sees them all. He has perfect omniscience, so he can predict and prophesy and, you know, kind of shape things on the board because he's this master chess player, and that's mm-hmm. kind of what sovereignty means. So God can predict the future because he just sees it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, I think that I would have to say that from a biblical perspective, that's, that's inadequate. Uh, and it's inadequate because the Bible teaches over and over, over again that God chooses. Uh, that God doesn't just see what is coming, uh, but that God God makes choices. God God elects one over another. God God elects Jacob over Esau, um, and it's not that he saw something coming in either one of their hearts or in either the direction that either man's life would take. God simply made a choice out of His sovereign, uh, out of His sovereign love, mm-hmm. and out of His sovereign purpose, mm-hmm. and so. To reduce God's sovereignty to simple to simply foreknowledge mm-hmm. is really not sovereignty at all. Right. And and you know we were talking about how he 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 rules and governs all things. You know even even the smallest things. You know not a sparrow falls to the ground except by the will of our Father. Mm-hmm. Um, you know the the lot you know is, is not left to chance. You know you you roll a dice or you do the lot is cast in the lot in the lap, but it's every decision is from the Lord. That means everything Proverbs. that's happening in Las Vegas right now, yeah, is <laughs> under the sovereign control of God. Well, and and that's why I don't gamble because I don't think that God has planned to bless me in that way. You know, it's like I know too much here, um, but but I think the reason that people um, you know deny aspects of the sovereignty of God actually they want to carve off little pieces of of it. They want to, they want to deny a certain aspect in order to maintain their own autonomy as an individual, and that's a roller coaster without brakes. Yeah, that is that you know you start down that road. And you, there's a lot of logical conclusions that you end up denying in one point of theology right after another because you're denying the absolute creator, his rights over his creatures, and, make, and you're making a place for human autonomy mm-hmm. and self-determination. You're limiting uh, God. You're limiting his power or his knowledge or both of those things. Uh, Stephen Sharnock, we've we've talked about the existence and attributes of God here, yeah. the, his book, and he and he poses this question: What if the foreknowledge of God and the liberty of the will cannot be fully reconciled by man, by me? Mm-hmm. Shall we therefore deny a perfection in God to support a liberty in ourselves? Right. 
Um, shall we rather fasten ignorance upon God and accuse him of blindness to maintain our own liberty? Mm-hmm. I mean, that's the point. Are you, are you going to let God be God, or are you, do you want some autonomy in that and, and be God yourself? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think, you know, your question, Josh, about God's sovereignty simply being a matter of foreknowledge, you know, that creates some real problems. Uh, For example, in Acts chapter 4, you know, Peter says that in the events leading up to the crucifixion of Christ, that all the different players, you know, Herod and Pontius Pilate, uh, the Gentiles, uh, the people of Israel, the leadership of Israel, of course, all of them, as set forth in the Gospels, were all making their own decisions for their own reasons. And yet, Peter says that they all did what God's purpose determined beforehand to be done. The cross and our salvation was not something, there was not some historical accident that God looked down the corridors of time and saw was going to happen. Right. No, this was something that God did. It's something he intervened in history to do. It was, you know, the incarnation and everything else to make it possible. Our salvation is the ultimate of intentionality on God's part. And if we take that away, we're really taking away the personalness of our salvation Mm -hmm. from God. That's not someplace we want to go. Yeah, you know, and if you look at the narrative of in, in the Gospels, in all four Gospels, look at the narrative of the events leading up to the crucifixion of Jesus. Um, Even from the human perspective, all of the actors in that drama who are making decisions, which seem to be free decisions, even from the human perspective, all of the actors in that drama are boxed in and not free. Um, Think of the, uh, the Jewish religious authorities. They're afraid of losing their power and position. Uh, look at Pilate. Uh, he was threatened with a comment that said, uh, it will be said, you're not a friend of Caesar. Mm-hmm. Uh, in other words, you know, you'll, you'll be seen as betraying. So he's, he's operating out of fear and out of this threat. The only one, the only actor in the entire drama who's completely free is Jesus. Mm-hmm. He's, he says, no one takes my life from me. I lay it down of my own accord. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So as we're winding down uh, the program today, it's very clear that what God's sovereignty extends over, it extends over everything. It extends over creation. He's the one that causes the, the grass to grow, the scripture says in, in Psalms. Uh, he is in control over providence, the governing of our lives and Proverbs 21, it says that God controls the heart of the king and directs it wherever he wishes, and he's control, in control over redemption, as you brothers just said about, about the cross. So that is our show for today. Uh, thank you again, Alan, for being on the program. We're looking forward to, to being here with us tomorrow. And this is The Gospel for Life. If you'd like to find out more about us, just go to ReformationBoise.com. You can get information about our annual conference, um, as well as catch up on past broadcasts. We look forward to listening, or we look forward to seeing you tomorrow. Thanks. Bye.